Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast, featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. I am starting in, in a couple of weeks. We have SEE week happening, and the class that I'm teaching is the overview of Hebrew scriptures. And as I've been reading in that, I'm just digging in more deeply than I have before. I've known about the Bible. I've studied the Bible ever since I was a kid. And it's, it's not really my go-to for inspiration. But the more that I dig into it, the more that I'm finding. And I'm, I'm actually really excited about the themes that are affecting our lives today that are talked about in the Bible. And one of them is the theme of unity versus being an individual. And, and it's a really interesting, if you think about a, a continuum, a line, where are we on the line? So in the Bible, you probably remember stories about some, somebody did something that they shouldn't have done and they are killed for it, but it isn't enough to just kill them. Their whole family is killed. And that's one of the, the things that those of us who don't like that chalk it up as, we'll see, the Bible is just full of violence. We don't want to do the Bible. But in that culture, what I did not understand was that they thought of themselves as a corporate entity. So you couldn't think about the people as individuals. You only thought about them as a whole group, like the Israelites. The Israelites had the mission to populate the world and bring God's message. It wasn't one person. In a family, it was the whole family. They were the entity. It wasn't an individual. And it wasn't until a couple thousand years before the common era that that changed. But when it changed, what happened was the idea of an individual and an individual's journey and an individual's responsibility came into play. And so then you have things like um, the book of Proverbs, for example, where you have all what, what a wise man does, what a wise woman does. They, they have certain behaviors. And they were beginning to believe that if you followed the prescriptions that were there, if you did the things a wise person should do, then you would be rewarded by God. Now, you have to put this in the context of when it came about. It was after the Babylonian exile. So this is a people who have been shattered. Their world has fallen apart. Does that sound familiar to you? Do you, do you know what it's like to have your world shattered and nothing is the same? That's how it was for them. They had lost everything that they held dear. And so their medicine for that was to begin to think about how could they have done it better. And they believed that if they dotted every I and crossed every T, so to speak, then God would have looked more favorably on them. They believed that it was their own mistakes 
that had caused problems. And now they were going to make sure that that didn't happen again. Are any of you dealing with control issues? I don't know about you, but I know about me. <laughs> and I tend to do that. Um, so if you have something that you feel like you're going to lose, then you go into control mode to try to make sure that you don't lose it, right? And that's what they were doing. They were trying to control life, and they became zealous. They became, um, you know, everything had to be right. So maybe in the Bible you remember stories about how Jesus would get mad at the scribes and Pharisees because they wanted everything just so. That was an effort to control life so that they would be safe. And it's something that begs for compassion, not for judgment. They wanted to be safe, but the idea that you can control life that bad things will never happen if you're only good. I think there's a book somewhere about why bad things happen to good people. And I'm sure every one of you has felt that in your lifetime. Why is this happening to me? I've been a good person. And the roots of this, at least in our culture, go way back to the Hebrew scriptures, where they are trying to control their idea of their relationship with the divine by being good as they define it. So then along comes the book of Job. Do you remember that book? I did not realize until I was doing all this research for the class that this is a protest book. Think about that as we are in the midst of protests all around us. It's a protest book protesting the idea that your actions determine your well-being. Now, certainly, your actions are related to your well-being. There are plenty of actions we can think of that cause problems in our lives, and there are certainly actions that create good things in our lives. So it isn't that action is irrelevant, but it's not a guarantee that you will have the life that you want. Because our personalities, which are the ones that have the opinions about whether this is a good life or not, our personalities are invested in everything being just the way we want it, right? And our personalities get upset when things don't go well. Our souls, on the other hand, are invested in the idea that we are here to expand in our capacity to be love. That's why we're here. And so on a soul level, we draw to us circumstances that cause us to grow and to be more of who we came here to be. So in the book of Job, you have a man who is very righteous. He does everything the way that the book of wisdom is saying you should do it. And so for a time, it looks like everything's pretty good. He has all the stuff 
everything you could want. He's got it. And then, because of this side deal between the devil and God, he loses everything. And his helpful friends come, and they are the mouthpieces for the book of wisdom. And they're saying, well, maybe you've done something wrong. Surely you've done something wrong, and this is your punishment. But he hasn't. They are not helpful because suffering that comes into our life does not mean we did something wrong. There is a higher way to look at that. This book of Job is not a biography. It's a fictional protest writing to show that this line of thinking is erroneous. But it's something that has passed down to us. And we have this idea that if we will only be perfect, then everything will be well. Our country was founded in large part by a group of people called Puritans. And that word comes from their idea that if they just do everything correctly, God will bless them and they will go to heaven. The whole idea of taking care of one another and being one tribe, that, that was in some ways a better thing, but it didn't give any individual freedom. And so to end... So they, with the individualism, they got away from thinking about the whole and they thought about themselves and what they needed to do to be good and be rewarded by God. And initially, this was in the material world. And then with Christianity, it got shifted to the afterlife. And now it's about being good so that you will go to heaven because if you are bad, then you will go to hell. So it's just deferred gratification or punishment. When science in, this 19th, in the 20th century started to um, become more prevalent, we saw that, wow, this afterlife thing is probably not what we thought it was. And as the belief in the afterlife started to lose favor, then people became more aware about social justice. They began thinking about how do we help one another? Maybe it's important to help one another. And now this was not a, a spiritual thing. This was just a human thing. And so we begin to start expanding our consciousness to include others. What I think we need to do is we look at this continuum. It's not about are we just one body or are we one individual. It's both and. We have to think about what choices are we making as individuals, the man in the mirror. What changes do I need to make in me in order to change the world out there because I am a cell in this body that we think of as one, one tribe, one people. And so we look outside of ourselves and we see problems out there. And yes, there are things that we can do that will help those problems. 
But more importantly than what we can do out there is what we can do in here. So think of the people that you have huge judgment about. I mean, go straight to politics, you've got them there. No matter what you believe politically, the other side you probably believe is a problem. So look at that, at those people and the judgments that you have about them and take it inside and ask yourself, where does that live in me? Whatever the words are, if you think that they're selfish, if you think that they're greedy, where is my greed? Where is my fear that I will not have enough? And how does that get translated in the material world? We can heal the world, but we have to do it from within. We have to look at our connection to one another. And there was something there, something that the ancient Hebrews knew. It just wasn't fully materialized. So I would encourage you, I would actually encourage you to take this class on Hebrew scriptures and because there, that was just one theme. There are so many other themes in there that are absolutely affecting our lives because it's in our consciousness. It's unconscious, but it's there and it's affecting the choices that we make and the freedom that is available to us. And I would encourage you to have a reverence for this Hebrew tradition that is the foundation that we all stand on, regardless of what our practices are today. There is a richness there. And in that, we can find an expanded version of our souls. Namaste. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Ayyam Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same by the power of the name. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Still the same by the 
at the time Christ was near, though the people couldn't see what Messiahs are to be, though they awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Adonai, age to age you're still the same by the power of the name. El Shaddai, Power of the 